grab some dessert, grab a drink, come grab a seat as well. Thanks for coming. I know it's hard. I know it's hard on a new night. I was just talking with some people about that. This is the first Wednesday night we've done in probably two years. So now it's on a Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. So spread the word. Keep it going. I know we're not creatures of change. We hate change, actually. You don't do it until you're forced to do it. But Wednesday nights, thank you for being here. Smaller crowd, but we'll get it back up there. Anyway, um, I just wanted to talk shop for a couple of minutes, though. Wednesday nights, 7 to 8 p.m., twice a month. There's a card in the back like this. We'll have more of them soon. There's also posters. If you want to pass on any posters or get it out there. Um, the high school edition of More to Life will be snuggled in between the two More to Life evenings that we do every month. So in September, we have the 13th and the 27th. We'll be meeting here from <coughs> 7 to 8 p.m. On the 20th, between, will be the high school edition of More to Life at my house. Same for October. It's the 11th and the 25th here. Then it's the 18th at our house. November 8th and 29th here. The 15th at our house for high school. And December 13th and 27th here. The 27th is going to be cool, by the way. Um, so sorry if you're visiting family or doing whatever, but we're going to have a cool thing happen. And then in between the 13th and the 27th will be the 20th here. The only other thing I want to announce is I got this book. I ordered it, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery by Ian Crone and um, Susan Stabil. So if you want to go online and order this book, this will be the next More to Life book study. When? We don't know. But based on who gets the book and who says, yeah, I'm reading it. Last time we had a book, it was called, you can't even remember. Can you? I've read a lot of books since then. You've read so many perfect. books. Present over perfect. Present over perfect. The idea of taking now, even though it might seem a little bit messy, and kind of giving up the whole pursuit of perfection, um, settling to be present now. This book is about the Enneagram. And the Enneagram, to sum it up very crudely, is kind of like a personality profile thing, right? There's like nine different kinds of personalities based on the Enneagram. And what's cool about the Enneagram though is you get to kind of try and figure out what your number is. And when you figure out what your number is, you figure out some good things and you also figure out some bad things, right? You read this description and you're like kind of excited by some of it and also down about parts of it because it's not that cool. But what it does is it helps give you compassion for who you are, how you're wired and then you start to realize that other people are wired differently than you, and they see the world a different way. And so it kind of creates this whole compassion towards other people, compassion for yourself and compassion for other people. So we're going to dig into this. There's going to be definitely a more to life night that talks and kind of dives into this a little bit more. But I wanted to put it out there now in case that sounds interesting to you. I found out that I'm a two. And what's so interesting about being a two is I seem super helpful and super generous, but it's only to get something out of you. <laughs> if, if it's like, if I'm in a negative space, if I'm in a good space, I'm operating and I'm being generous and giving and there's like no strings attached, you know? But anyway, the road back to you. Pretty cool book. I'm going to give a shout out to it tonight, but 
Moving on. Oh, I had one other side note. I just heard, apparently I'm really late and behind in this, but I just saw a video the other day of the first guy who jumped without a parachute. Well, it happened back in 2016. So I guess apparently I'm late, but Luke, Luke Akins or something jumped 25,000 feet. And when you look at the net, it's a dot. It's 100 feet by 100 feet. It was a two-tiered no, net. I think it was bigger than that. Was it? I think it was 400, 400 or something. Okay. Anyway. So he jumps from 25,000 feet without a parachute and like nails this net. And they said he got right in the middle. And when I was watching, I was like, he was toward the corner. <laughs> Yes, he like hit the corner and then rolled to the center. So what was the net made of? I have no idea. Was it elastic? Did he bounce back up? No, I mean, he hit it. It was like, boom, and it caught him. And he was just down there. And then they came and interviewed him. You should look it up. Luke Akins and hit like guy to jump without a parachute. But the only reason I bring that up is I read this story and then I kind of looked at the interview and I looked into some details and I was like, what is that urge? <laughs> like, what is the drive that pushes one to say, I know, we've got some people in this room, your urges and, and, and things aren't that far off. So at some point this year, we're gonna talk about that thing. What's that thing that pushes you to break those boundaries and those limitations? What's the motivation there? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And we'll probably pull some people up and ask them some questions. I just, I'm just curious, because when I saw that, I was like, we're congratulating this guy. Phil, like, it's called lack of fear, and you will never be there. <laughs> <laughs> A lack of fear? No, I won't be there. No, you won't. Fear is always my constant companion. Like, just chilling, hanging out, has saved my life so many times. <laughs> You don't even know. You don't even know. Anyway, we'll talk about that at a later date. But tonight we're going to talk about part, a part of the human condition. And the part of the human condition that I want to talk about is this kind of impulse to leave something behind. Because I think we all have it. I mean, it starts early when, like, kids are chewing gum and you stick it under a chair. <laughs> and you just leave it there. Or when you decide to carve your initials into something. Or like, true story, I have a friend who bought spray paint, hid it from his parents, tagged his own house, <laughs> hid the spray paint, got busted by his parents later, <laughs> right? Like, so from like graffiti, putting gum under chairs, carving initials into things, from creating a company, or like right now the big thing is build a brand, that's going to outlive you, that you can pass on, some kind of legacy, something that you leave behind. I wanna talk about that human impulse because I think it's hardwired into all of us and I want to encourage you to leave behind a solid, lasting legacy, right? What I want you to first do though is think of this. Uh, there's a song out right now, it's by Macklemore, so maybe some of you have heard it, maybe some of you haven't. But he says in there, I've heard you die twice. Right? The first time is when they bury you in a grave, and the second time is the last time someone mentions your name. Right? So that's what he says. I've heard you die twice. So there's this idea, and I think we all have it, like we want to pass something on. 
We want to leave something behind. When I start thinking of all the times that I've found something left behind, it's usually not a good thing, right? Like gum in her chair is never fun. And you think about like, I don't know, I was, I was in a house today trying to clean some of it. And I think about the things that are left behind. And it's like, mm, no thank you. When you visit hotel rooms, all of those kind of interesting places, usually what's left behind isn't that great. And sometimes what we're leaving behind, honestly, isn't that good. I also think of like residue that's always left behind. Me and my friends, when we were in college, we came up with a name for the stuff that's left on your fingers after you eat Cheetos. We called it Cheeb. We thought we were really cool. But there's always something left behind. Now, when I was back in middle school, I played a basketball game with my best friend's brother's brother and his friends. His name was Blake, my best friend's brother. My best friend's name was Tyler. And we played this basketball game, and all of those guys were in high school, all of Blake's friends. Tyler and I were the only middle school students at the game. We're playing this game. Sil uh, Tyler and I haven't really hit puberty 100%. So, I mean, I had facial hair, but I've just had that forever. <laughs> so, but we weren't really there with like the glands, the hormones, the things, you know what I mean? Like the muscle, it wasn't quite there. I still trying to catch up on the muscle thing, but I'm just saying the high school guys were a little bit more advanced in this game. And as we're playing this game, the shirts start coming off and the smell starts increasing. And we're out there, it's a hot day we're playing. And Blake was known for a temper. He had a bad temper, bad temper. One time he tried to hit Silas across the room with a pen. Uh, Tyler, I always call Tyler Silas. Maybe that's because Silas is my best friend, I don't know. Anyway, but he tried to hit Tyler with a pen and he threw it across the room and it hit me instead. And it like hit me right here in the eye and it was right before school pictures and I got black and it was nasty. But Blake beat the crap out of Tyler a lot and he tried to put it onto me. He had a bad temper. We're playing this game and middle school Phil <laughs> stuffs high school Blake. It was a spectacular moment <laughs> in, in, my, in my history. I kid you not. Blake is pissed, pissed beyond belief. Seeing all kinds of things, walking around, just doing his thing, you know. And then so the next time I get the ball, oh right? Seriously. First of all, I'm terrified for my life. And Blake is after me. And I like went up and he goes up higher, you know. And I don't know, there's a movie out that has a scene like this with Ben Stiller. But it was so real for me. He like totally just fouls me like really bad. He jumps up and he's just on me and his body just comes on me and just like rakes down and he fouls me and I fall to the ground and I get up and I'm really mad, but I can't see anything because his sweat like just came all over and I'm like, and I'm trying to like figure out where I am, what's going on. I use that analogy and I used to talk about that story with students because I was like, that's what leaving something behind looks like. <laughs> he like completely just devastated me with his sweat and his nastiness and his smell. Like I had to go home and take a shower to get that crap off. Like it was thick and it was gross. I used to tell students that love stinks. 
That's what it should happen. Like there's like an aroma to it. It smells. It leaves something behind. And so when you come into contact with people, we all do it. We have interactions. People sum you up. When I was in high school, I got voted most friendly and best smile. I guess that's what summed up my senior year. That's what people thought of me. It's everything from like, you leave something behind. I've had people like walk me through exercises where you have to write something that you'd put on your tombstone, and I hate that exercise. But in the end, you're basically saying that your life, your actions, your words, they tell a story, and they communicate something to other people. And the question is, what is it that you're continually leaving behind on people? Like, and, and how strong is it, <laughs> right? Like, do they feel it like a day later? Do they feel, does it like fade away moments after? What, 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 what does that kind of look like? I was gonna say, yeah, you know that Phil Gallagher, he's full of blank, right, the period, right? And we all know what the opposite part of that is, you're full of shit, but we would love to say you're full of what exactly? And what do you leave behind in your absence when you walk out of a room, when you hang up on the phone with that person, when you step away from their life, what is it that you honestly and truly leave behind? Because you're full of what? You're full of what? Now, I can tell you what I think our world needs more of, like after the past couple of weeks, geez, it's been a rough couple of weeks, hasn't it? Gosh, from like massive earthquakes, like in Mexico, to like flooding in India, to flooding in the United States, to like crazy things happening. And people are feeling slightly overwhelmed already because of our busy, chaotic schedules and the rate at which we kind of push ourselves in life. I want to encourage you tonight to basically say, what am I full of? Love. What can I leave behind? Love. There's this comedian, Dimitri Martin. He was famous because uh, he's funny, first of all, but he had this little sketch where he was talking about people who see the glass as half empty or half full. And he was like, I don't know, man. I feel like it kind of depends on what's in the glass, the way we should view it, you know? <laughs> he's like, if you're saying, oh, it's a glass full of, it's got Oreos in it. He's like, all right, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, all right, half full, half full. He's like, if it's a glass, you know, and it's got baby's blood in it, he's like, half empty, half empty. <laughs> he's like, I don't want that. But it's like, what, is, what are you full of, and how is that going to change the way you interact with the world and what you honestly leave behind? I would encourage you love. I taught and led and kind of was the director of Summit County Youth with students for a long time. And for a long time, if you walked up to students and you say, hey, because parents would do this, they're like, I don't know what you talk about, Phil. And I'm like, well, ask your kids. Yeah. Ask your kids. And they're like, well, all they ever say you talk about is love. Bingo. <laughs> that's like all I talk about. Like we change it up a little bit, but that's kind of what we always pull back to almost always. And the interesting part is talking about something is one thing. Doing something is entirely another, right? We all get that. So I could stand up here and I could tell you guys, hey, 
I really think it's important that you leave behind love. And then you're like, yeah, I really think that's important too. And we could talk, talk, talk. But I want to at least get you to how in the world could I possibly be more loving, more compassionate, more gracious? How could I actually kind of express that more? Because I've got three kind of easy ways to do it. And the first one is this. I'll sum it up with the word listen, right? So for a long time, I got to host tons of events with students. And I tried to talk adults into hanging out with students. And that's harder than you would think, <laughs> right? Because adults are busy people. We work all day. And then you want me to go hang out with who to do what? And I would have adults come to me and say, for instance, Tommy. Tommy drives me crazy, Phil. I don't think I can show up to another thing. That kid kills me. I can't listen, blah, 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 blah. And I listen to everything. I listen to everything. And then I set that leader down and I say, okay, well, here's the deal. You need to talk with Tommy and you need to hear his story. You need to listen to him. And he's like, well, I don't know if I have that kind of time. Well, I'm like, well, listen to me then. Here you go. Here's what's going on with Tommy. Here's what's happening at home. Here's what's happening at school. Here's what he does after school. And here's what's going on in his life. And after we get through all of those things, and that leader listens to me explain a little bit about Tommy's story, that leader goes, whoa, I didn't know that. And then that leader shows up again, and Tommy can do whatever the hell he wants. Because like, that leader's like, I'm here for you. <laughs> like, I'm going to hang out with you. We're going to like connect, and this is going to be something to help you. This is going to be a transformative experience all the way around. If I could offer you something that might help you leave behind love a little bit more, listen to people. Learn their story. I guarantee you that every single person is going through their own individual battle, whatever that might be, their own individual struggle. You've got yours. He has his. She has hers. And when you get a little bit of that, and you can start to kind of understand that they're going through something. Man, it helps you be a little bit more patient. It helps you be a little bit more gracious toward that individual. And you can start to kind of inch your way towards leaving a little bit more love with that person. I've had people who drive me absolutely crazy. And like, then you just have to focus on, okay, okay, seriously, what is it? What's happening in their life right now that I can pinpoint so that I can go into this exchange or this interaction and be a little bit more gracious, a little bit more kind of like open arms. The second thing that I wanted to throw out for you, oh man, I gotta go down here, is shift. The word shift. And this is my shout out to the Enneagram. If you read this Enneagram book, they're gonna say that you were given a pair of glasses through which you see the world. And your glasses are unique. And someone in this room is thinking, yeah, but it's nine personalities, and I am not one through nine. But they would rather say it like this. Imagine those numbers, if you're a one or a two or a three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Imagine those numbers as colors, though. So if I'm a two, let's just call it blue, because it rhymes. That's fun. 
And if you go to Home Depot and you say, can I see all your colors of blue? There's a lot, right? But still at the end of the day, they're all a part of that blue family. There's infinite shades of blue though. And sure enough, I'm a part of the blue family. That's because I've got blue glasses. And that's how I see the world. And I'm driven by certain passions. I'm hardwired in a certain way. I respond to things differently than my number one wife. She is labeled a perfectionist on the Enneagram scale. Or, as they like to frame it in a better view, the reformer. Because the reformer is all about making this world a better place. And they know just how to do it. <laughs> right? Right? They boss us all around. They tell us, here's how. No, but like, it's interesting. And so Anne sees the world one way, and I see the world another way. And sometimes what helps me be more loving toward her is understanding that she has a different set of glasses. And of course she's going to respond to that differently than I would. She sees it entirely differently. And so we don't like necessarily come at it from the same angle. And sometimes that can create some seriously, some serious friction, right? Some headbutting. And that's when you have to back up and say, look, you've got your set of glasses. I've got mine. Ah, okay. So then we have to kind of communicate a little bit more like, how do you really interpret that? How do you see that? What? You responded that way. I'm responding this way. Why did you respond that way? We were leaving home last night. Is Tate out of the room? We were leaving home last night, and we were supposed to grab snacks on the way. We were, like, running late. That's pretty much a permanent fixture <laughs> in our culture, and at least in our home. And we're trying to get out the door, and Ann's like, grab snacks, because we've got to get to the soccer game at the high school. Let's go. And Tate, Tate is hungry. And so he jumps up on the counter, and he's opening the cabinet doors, and he's going for what he wants. He wants a cliff bar. And as he's reaching for the cliff bar, Ann says, and don't forget, if you've already had a cliff bar today, you can't have another one. And he stops going for the cliff bar, closes the cabinet door, hops off the counter, and just starts going outside. And I was like, T, wait. And he turns around, and I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing. You know? And he starts walking outside. I'm like, dude, wait, come back here. We're not going to like end this conversation this way. Come on. And then it's like tears, and it's anger, and it's all these different things. And it took us a while to get to why are you responding this way? I'm giving you this full-blown story because I know all of it. We had no clue at the time. Like, what is up with this kid? Why is he so angry? What is going on? Sometimes our relationships and the things that we encounter and the obstacles and the struggles and the friction, I mean, it's largely in part because we're approaching something and we're wearing different kinds of glasses. That's what it comes down to. And we respond differently in situations. Like, it's just true. I don't think I, I ever have an interaction with someone when I don't walk away from that interaction and I start playing this in my head. I wonder if we're good. I hope we're good. 
like me and that person. Like that constantly runs through my mind, constantly. I have several friends that never enters their mind and they could care less if they're good. They're all right, it's okay. But how interesting that makes me respond differently than my friends do. So shift, a perspective, recognizing that other people see the world a different way and because they do, they respond differently. That's gotta create some grace in relationships. That's gotta create some moments when it's like, okay, you blew up, I'm wondering why you blew up, like let's back this up and try and have this out and talk it out. The third thing is simply this, it's the word choose. It's the word choose. I don't think you'll ever leave behind love unless you choose to do it. I think it's, it takes a lot of intention nowadays to kind of leave that behind. You've got to really be on top of your game. You've got to set out and say like, all right, I'm going to do this because so many other things come up. I had a conversation with my next door neighbor. His name is Neil. And Neil asked me recently about like all of my endeavors. He asked me how my jobs are going. And we all know, like most of us have more than one, right? It's like what we do. But he was asking me how that was going. And I was telling him, I said, I, you know, I, I bumped into someone last week who told me that I shouldn't do something I'm passionate about. I should focus more on the side of the financial thing and I should figure out how to provide for my family because I'm a man and I need to make sure that like I pay those bills. And I had that conversation before I talked to Neil. And then I came up to Neil and he was like, so how's it going? And I'm like, I'm struggling with this, man. Like, it's, it's, it's so complex sometimes, isn't it? Time, money, like responsibilities, also being around. I'm one of those guys, I look at my boys and I see needs surface in their life that like money can't meet, right? And right now I've got some boys that are in some very formative times of life. And I'm like, if I'm gone all the time, it's gonna be rough, super rough. So when opportunities come along to make more money, <laughs> I kind of, I'm not interested. It just doesn't, it doesn't have the, it has the pull, cause I'm like, boom, vacations, time off. And then I'm like thinking, oh, I missed that game. I'm not around for that phone call. I'm not here. And so for me, I think leaving behind love is often a choice. And sometimes it's clear and sometimes it's not and it's super hard to make the choice. Neil asked me about all my endeavors and I simply said, you know what? I think after two and a half years, <laughs> I'm finally at a place where I can say this out loud. I think I would, str I would rather struggle financially and know that I'm connected to my family and my boys and feel like we have a solid relationship and I'm teaching them more about like what it means to be what I think a man in the world is. And I would be okay with just getting by and struggling financially. I think I would prefer that. 
And then Neil slapped me on the back and he said, congratulations, you're there. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> he was like basically saying like, dude, that's where you are. What's the big debate or argument? Like you're struggling and you're, you're connected, it's good. And I was like, oh, it's that whole thing of seeing your dreams come true right in front of your eyes and you don't realize it's there. But sometimes you have to choose to leave love behind. You've got to walk into a situation, a context. You have to wake up at the beginning of the day. For me, it's that ongoing daily thing that I actually have to choose it. And as I go about my day, because I have days at the end of it, it's like, Phil, that Phil Gallagher, he's full of what? Like, if you came into contact with people on the wrong day, it wasn't love, you know? And sometimes it just takes a slight moment of reframing that mind and saying, no, I choose this. I'm gonna walk into this moment and I'm gonna choose love. The last thing I wanna say about leaving love behind comes after me embarking on social media. I'm a techie guy, but I just do not dig social media. I never have and I can't get it. I think that's why. I'm just old and like I don't understand some of it, but I don't know how many of you have seen videos out there of people doing really good things. I watched this video the other day and what they did, it was this like hook and bait switch. Kind of, it was like so weird. This guy walked up to a homeless dude and he gives him like a hundred bucks. And he tells him like, oh man, I just, I wanted to do this, you know? And then he walks away and they keep filming the homeless guy. And they film the homeless guy and follow him wherever he goes and whatever he does with the money. And I was like, whoa, this feels like an invasion of privacy, <laughs> A, doesn't it? And then, like, he ends up doing something good with the money, right? So he does something incredibly noble and good with the money. He actually took the 100 bucks and he bought meals for a bunch of his friends. And he, like, started handing out meals to all of his friends. And it was really cool. And then this guy comes back up to him and he says, hey, we followed you with the camera. <laughs> and we saw what you did. And I want to give you another 100 bucks so you can spend it on yourself. Okay, cool. Kind of feel good, kind of weird at the same time. The last thing I want to say about love is be quiet about it. And I get that that's not trending <laughs> because it's definitely not. It's a very untrendy, in fact. I did some freelance work and I worked for a company and what they essentially hired me to do was tell all the good that they were doing. Was doing good their business? No. <laughs> Why did they want me to market the good that they were doing? Because we've hit a point in society now where that's like marketable. That's like profitable. And there's this interesting verse from the Bible that I love that's always been so weird, but I think it's so relevant to today. And it's this whole idea that when you do something charitable and when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Do it in secret. So the only thing I want to throw out there about leaving love behind, be quiet about it. Do it anonymously. Whatever you do, don't take a video of it. Don't post it. Don't Snapchat it. Don't hashtag it. Don't get a t-shirt that says what you did. Like, seriously. I think we're losing something 
when that kind of goodness and love is becoming marketed like this, and there are trailblazers, don't get me wrong, I love what Tom's did. When they were like, buy a pair, we're gonna give a pair. And then everybody else watched all the money that Tom made. His, not, his name's not Tom, but they watched all the money that Tom made and they're like, what? I mean, if we back up 30 years and we were like, hey, I'm a consultant for your business. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give away 10% of your money. And they would have laughed me out of the office. Today, they know that it'll make them more money. So they're like, yeah. All I'm saying is, motivation's huge when it comes to leaving love behind. Right? Motivation's huge. Be quiet about it. And let the motivation be true. Be true when it comes to leaving love behind behind. Um, my dad, construction worker his whole life, still doing stuff. Talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's almost 70 and he was on a roof. And I said, dad, you have no business being up on a roof. I'm like, we're past that point. Get off the roof. Stop working. But what's awesome about my dad was he would come home and he would smell like sawdust. And to this day, every time I'm around sawdust, I smell my dad. I always do. It's my dad. I don't care who is wearing it. I like, it's, it's my dad. It's my dad, right? I know it's him. Love is like that. Love is like that. I'm telling you, you can smell it on people. And after they leave, and it's in the room, and it's a part of your life, and it impacts you, and it leaves an impression. And so the idea is, what are we leaving behind? And can you leave love behind? And what way can you maybe take one of those three things? Can you listen better? Can you shift your perspective? You know what I mean? Or can you choose to leave love behind that would make more of that impression? Because I truly believe that we need more of that. We need a lot more of that. In relationships and communities on a global scale, we need a whole lot more of that. Less posts, less tweets, more things happening from person to person that you don't hear about. So my advice to you this evening is get untrendy, <laughs> right? Get untrendy, love quietly with no strings attached. And just try and give it away. I did read in a quote recently that said, you know, when you give and you expect something back, that's an investment. <laughs> that's what that's called. They said, when you give and you expect nothing back, that's love. That's what love is. So tonight, to wrap up really quickly, until next time, may you create a lasting legacy. May you listen more. May you learn the stories of others. May you shift your perspective and know that your glasses aren't the only pair. May you choose love, even when it's difficult even when it's messy. Go this week and the next. Get untrendy. Love quietly. 
with no strings attached. And make it smell out there. Make it smell really bad out there. Make it really thick. Make people know that when you walk away, they came into contact with love. And that's what they felt, and that's what they got. Amen. That's all I've got. It's 745. It's dark outside. That's depressing. <laughs> it's, it's getting dark early. Ugh. Anyway, we have dessert. We have coffee. We have tea. Again, as always, you can absolutely shake someone's hand, say hello if you don't know somebody. But we'll be back here in two weeks. High school edition is literally next Wednesday from 7 to 8 at our house. So if you know any high school students and you want to spread the word, Tell them to come to 15 Silver Green. We'll be there. Last thing, if you want this book, go get it. If you can't afford it, I'll buy it for you. What? Did you do bracelets again after that first time? We did bracelets again. We went to Frisco. So she's talking about these bracelets that have the one word on them. If you don't have one yet, we can still get you one. It's great. Um, mine's getting pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> in the shower, yeah. It's just not that great. Um, but anyway, we went to Frisco during the week after school had started, and we gave away about 20 bracelets. So I considered that a win. I walked up, and we didn't see anybody for the first, like, 20 minutes. There was no one out. Where were you? We were right by Foot's Rest. Oh, okay. The guy's playing music and everything. He's having no luck. We're having no, And then slowly but surely, we had some teachers come by. Well, we had some students come by from the high school. And then we had some, those students went and told their high school teachers, and then their high school teachers came. So it was a lot of locals. It was a lot of fun. And we handed out the bracelets. And then we also sent out a more to life letter. And we um, were letting people know what we're doing and seeing who might pledge or who might give to this program. And then at the bottom, we put and let us know your word. And so we've gotten several of those back now, and everybody's sending us their words. So we're going to be mailing lots of bracelets to people, too. Okay. So they're going to all have their word as well. But yeah, thanks for asking. Because it was a lot of fun. And it was oh, Anne. Well, first time was great. It was Anne, me, and Don Cook, and Mark Koob. We all like hung out there. And uh, I swore I was going to get everybody ice cream. And then we all left, and we never got ice cream. Oh. <laughs> it was a sad thing. <laughs> anyway. I, it was really me. <laughs> I wanted ice cream. I was like, I'm getting ice cream. And we didn't do it. Anyway, any other questions or anything? Stories? Whatever. All right, cool. I'm going to play some music. Thanks for being here tonight. Spread the word. It's Wednesday night. Plenty of dessert back there. Wednesday nights from this point forward. Thanks, Next time we're talking about a word that someone gave me. Oh, cool. So we're going to talk about that.